Welcome back to Building a Fighter. My name is Dr. Austin Shane, sports chiropractor in Scottsdale, Arizona. With me, as always, badass strength coach in Denver, Colorado, Alex Friedman. What's shaking, bacon? How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just living this Monday or this Monday, this Sunday morning. I can't pass the days <laughs> up. I don't want it to be Monday yet, but just chilling. And today we're going to be talking about a growth mindset. We're trying to get a little bit introspective and try to help you guys from the mental performance side of things. So Alex, what do you think about when you think about a growth mindset and how it applies to MMA? Within MMA, it's an interesting topic because we're at a place where I think we've recognized that mentality and mental consistency, mental training is a huge piece of the game. I think that's always been known, especially with combat sports. Like you're out there one-on-one, your training is grueling. Uh, More than other sports, I think combat sports have identified the mentality piece as being hugely important, right? But now we're at a place like, where do we go with that? You know, because there's always the like hard O approach, like you got to be mentally tough. We're going to build mentally tough days. This is a mental training day, blah, 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 which gets into some rabbit holes of just, you know, overtraining and doing hard shit for the sake of doing hard shit, which sure is needed and necessary at some points, but more seldom than I think a lot of athletes and coaches like to admit. Uh, When I think about a growth mindset inside of MMA, I think about staying open with your mind as far as new techniques, new training methodologies, new thoughts. I think a growth mindset is being consistent and constantly evolving in your mindset. So not just having one stagnant idea of what training is, but being open to new approaches, both physically, but also new approaches mentally. Um, That's one of my most favorite things at Factory X that we do is we have a book club and every month is a new book that we're constantly trying to grow on your mental. If you're exclusively maturing and growing in your physical, you're going to make so much gains, right? You'll get Mm -hmm. to the regional pro, you'll have some success or whatever. But the mentality piece is obviously what separates, you know, world champions, top 15 in the UFC from making it to the UFC. So that's what I think. Staying open in techniques, staying open in your process of development. When you when you stagnate or when you settle for one solid approach, you get stuck. Yep. And uh, and that's like the opposite of our growth mindset that we want to have where we continually improve and continually get better. You know, it's a good analogy when we talk about Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I forget who, who the quote's from, but I heard the story that like, you know, the process is not to get a black belt. Once you get your black belt, that's when real training begins. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's the continual upward uh mobility mindset that i think leads to more growth and you know if you're a hungry dog regardless of where you're at you're gonna continually grow so i think there's a a consistency and ambition factor into that well i i like i really like everything you said but two of the main things that really hit home with me are you said you got to be consistent and on top of all of that you got to understand that in order to grow you have to be able to learn from everybody right? You have to be able to, like you guys do that. A cool thing about a book club is you get to hear everybody have a voice. You talk about a book club. Typically you all talk about the books. I would assume. I don't, I don't know. Um, But most of the time in book clubs, you talk about the books or you at least talk about what you got from them. Don't try and bullshit this. You've never been in a book club. I have been in two of them. I was in a book club in Cairo school, dude. And you got kicked out of both. No, I actually read. I know. I, I know it's hard for people you can to read, read, but I'm learning. You can read. I am learned. But um, you have to be able to, the cool thing about a book club is you have to be able to listen to other people. It gives people a voice. You get more confident talking in front of people. You get more confident sharing your ideas on something. And you get 
as a listener or as a participant, you get more confident in hearing that other people have different ideas. It's similar to why we started this podcast. I get to hear when we have guests on, I get to hear cool ideas. I get to hear things that maybe I didn't think about in one way, or maybe if it's just me and Alex talking, me and Alex have differing opinions on a lot of stuff. I get to learn from him. He gets to learn from me. We get to go back and forth and try to learn from each other. And that's something that having a growth mindset, you have to almost take a step back from thinking that you know you're really, really good at something and realize that just because you were an All-American wrestler doesn't mean you can't learn from somebody that maybe wasn't a D1 wrestler. Maybe in in this certain situation, they understand this situation way better than you do. You take a step back and you learn what they're doing. But bringing it back to the first point is the only way to realize that this person might be better than you at a certain position is to show the fuck up. And be consistent, mm-hmm. show up to practice, be there, be willing to actually take a step into the deep end and learn some things. But if you don't show up, there's no way that you can get anything from this growth mindset. You can have the best mindset in the world, but if you're not showing up to practice, you're not showing up to your lifts, then guess what? It's it's just a waste. No, I agree. I think a lot of the time showing up's half the battle, right? How can you get yourself motivated to to drive to practice, to be there? And then once you're there, it's relatively easy to turn on and get involved. But I also think that's one of the biggest mistakes when it comes to consistency as far as, you know, being a passive observer is is not good enough. And when I talk about consistency, I'm not just talking about physically being there. You got to be present mentally. I think it's more important to have a consistent mindset than it is to have a consistent physical approach. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Because if I have a consistent mindset, I'm approaching each training session the same way. I have my routines. I have my training week set, which again, to get in this growth mindset, right? You want to be open to all the new things, but you also need to be aware enough to latch onto what you know works for you, right? Mm-hmm. If, you're, if your schedule is Monday, Wednesday, 6 a.m. strength and conditioning, and that holds you in discipline and that helps you work uh, the best in your fight camp, then we have to be consistent at going and being present there. Versus if I'm not aware and I'm working my bartending job till 2.30 in the morning and I decide that I just need to go hard, I need to go to 6 a.m. strength and conditioning, that's not necessarily, sure, it can be consistent. You can make that happen a lot, but it's not a beneficial consistency, right? right? Because you're definitely not going to be there mentally if you're working off of three and a half hours, four hours of sleep. so But that comes a- down to scheduling. That comes down to being consistent with your schedule. And if you know you're working that late, you get your, I mean, if you're working one of those jobs, you get your schedules weeks in advance. You get your next two weeks yeah. and you get your next two weeks, right? That yeah. comes down to just being smart and laying out your schedule. If you know you're working late one day, then guess what? You're probably going to the 3 p.m. Don't try to rush to the 6, 6 a.m. workout. Yeah. Like it's, no, I, it's yeah. being an adult. <laughs> Which ironically enough is hard enough for, for a lot of people. So, right. But you always see stuff like this where what's better. I'll point blank. What's better being present and taking a hundred double legs or showing up and going through the motions and hitting 500 present, yeah, the present lower number, obviously. So, so um, showing, but where I'm going with that is showing up. You don't have to just join and, and maybe you do. I don't I don't know every team around the, the country, but you showing up, you don't have to show up and do a hundred percent. Like yeah. if you're if you're I see, I get into this fight a lot with with athletes where you can just show up. I guarantee at least one other person had maybe had a shitty night's sleep. Maybe you showed up, yeah. maybe you woke up at negative eight out of uh zero negative ten to positive ten recovery score. 
like on a polar watch. You can show up and you can just drill for 30 minutes with somebody else that have a shitty recovery. You drill light paced, you do technique work, which is like a two out of 10 RPE. And then you just go about your day and that's just active recovery, which is going to help you. It's the exact yeah. same thing as going on an active recovery run. It's just sport specific. So there's different ways to be consistent. Just because you had a shitty recovery doesn't mean you have to stay out of the gym. You just have to be smarter when you fucking get there. Yeah. And I'll counter both of points to kind of play double advocate. You know, like I think being present and being actively engaged for a hundred double eggs is better than, you know, going through the motions for 500. But I think going through the motions for 500 is better than not showing up. For sure. You know, so, so that's, I guess, the, the hierarchy of the levels to it, if you will. But again, championship mindset, if we're, if we're getting better, I think there's this misnomer of like when we say consistency, when we say mental growth, when we say being mentally tough, it's just like, I just need to be tough and grind it out and just go hard all the time and just, you know, really take my training to the next level when mostly being consistent is doing what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it doesn't have to be extra session, this, extra session, that overtraining this. I'm going to go on a 10 mile run because I feel like I got tired during sparring. Like that's not hard. That's not sure. It's hard work, but that's not you being tough. That's not you being mentally in it. That's you actually being insecure, right? Because most of my people that overtrain are not confident in their skill set. So yeah. they have this this hole, this insecurity inside of them that they're going to go try and fill with extra training, which actually makes the hole bigger, which they don't realize. And then Mm -hmm. they lose. And I did all this training and then it just feeds into this negative self-talk, negative mental space trauma or not trauma, but negative mental space uh, feedback. So yes, working hard is part of the journey, but you know, we say it all the time, like um, training hard is not going to get you. Training smarter will get you. Yeah, there. smarter, not harder. And I just, dude, I just had this talk with. Um, I got, I got, I, I love working with him. He's one of my amateur fighters. Um, uh, and we, we go back and forth. He loves working hard, and then to the point where, like, he fights this weekend, and he wanted, he showed up on Saturday, and he wanted to get a lift in. He, he fights this weekend, and he's still got to cut ten, like twelve or really twelve pounds. I, th- I believe. Yeah. So I'm like, and I just put up some mobility. Uh, he was, he's been dealing with some different like scrapes and bruises, some mobility targeted around uh, some sort of deficits that he has. I put a little bit of rehab in there. And then I told him to ride the air bike for 20 minutes, nasal breathing only just to accelerate the recovery process. He's, he's like, oh, that's it. Like, that's all I got to do today. I'm like, it's something that in a growth mindset, you need to understand too that you got to be comfortable with once the work is in, you just got to fight. When you go into fight yeah. week, the work is in, bro. Nothing you do that week is going to make any difference on the fight unless okay. you're doing like small, fine tuned technical details. From a human physiolo- or physiology standpoint, you're not going to really increase any sort of energy system. <laughs> From an anatomy standpoint, I'm not going to increase mobility in a week, right? Like, I, I just can't. So, the only thing we're doing is try to make your tissue feel as good as you can going into the fight so that you're as confident as possible after you step, get off that scale, you got a day to recover. And then once you step into that cage, you're ready to rock and roll. You don't need to be working up until the buzzer. And I've, that's something that in a growth mindset, you need to understand and you need to try to grow too, because I know this is something that fighters struggle with, because if you come from the wrestling background, like you and I did, dude, you're, you're wrestling hard as shit until it. really a day before competition and then day of competition you just show up you do a hard warm-up you go wrestle and then you start it all over again competition's almost a day off but when you're only competing at max five times a year you get 
these little breaks in sessions, you can go through a real peaking cycle. You can go through a real thing to make your body feel as good as possible going into that cage. So we just have to be smarter with our training cycles. And it's something that everybody in general needs to grow into to understand once you get to a certain point, the work is done. You can do technical details. You can make yourself feel confident, but there's no reason to keep taxing your body to the point of exertion when in reality, you can just focus on, hey, the small stuff and then step to that scale. And really the the battle, like we talked about with Christina, the last week, it's about nutrition. It's about dietetics. It's about getting onto the scale and then performing once you weigh in. Yeah, hundred percent. And like the more I keep hearing you talk, the more I keep coalescing these two ideas that having a growth mindset is the same process as building confidence in your training approach or training scheme, right? So Mm -hmm. if we think about the guy that wants to train hard and wants to keep going and like your typical mixed martial artist, a lot of younger mixed martial artists, I will say like they try and own the whole process, which again, we love, we want you to be invested in you and you to own your process. But as you get comfortable or as you start to grow and understand your training process, that's when, and this happens in business too. We have to be learn to be comfortable with delegating, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, my strength and conditioning coach is going to control my strength and conditioning. Maybe I shouldn't go on that extra, you know, 5K run after practice. Or maybe I shouldn't do this because they're making sure my, my physical is right. So I'll trust them with that. My skills coach, my head coach, I trust him with my game plan. You know, I don't need to watch all this extra film and create my own ideas and then question everything. Um, and I think there's a lot of benefit to being confident in your practice and your approach. And I'm kind of walking a fine line here where I'm not trying not to say like, you just need to buy in. You just need to, you know, blindly right. go do that. Right. It's growing confident in the people around you, growing confidence in yourself to trust that aspect of your training and take it off your plate. You already have enough of, I need to perform. I need to practice every day. I need to get better. I need this and that. You don't need to think about facilitating your training too, Mm -hmm. as a fighter, right? That's where you can hand the reins off to somebody and just do the work. And I have, again, there's a spectrum of athletes with this. There's a guy that wants to know everything, wants to do everything, wants to be able to do it himself. And that's great. But then we have to learn this delegation piece. Then there's the guy that I'm just going to show up, tell me what to do right? Which is good in a sense as well. But then we also don't want you completely ignorant to where you're at in your training cycle, because then you may make misinformed decisions, you know, two weeks out or one week out. That's the guy that shows up to all the practices. You tell him what to do. And then he tries to, he overtrains because he went on a 15 mile hike on the weekend. Yeah. That that also, that guy that shows up and says, Hey, just tell me what to do is the most likely guy to question what you tell him to do. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so it's maturing and I think it's it's understanding the process and understanding delegation. And If you know me, you know I'm always on the run, up early and home late. So having a three-hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG1. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because it was, I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop, mixed in water, once a day, and every day. 
I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash provengrit. That's drinkag1.com slash provengrit. Check it out. If you know me, you know I'm always on the run up early and home late, so having a three-hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG1. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because it was, I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop, mixed in water, once a day, and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process, so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash provengrit. That's drinkag1.com slash proven grit. Check it out. And really growing confident in your process and your training approach. And if you're not confident with the people around you, with your coaches or whatever, that's a conversation you need to have. Make a change. Make make a change. change. Not enough people trust themselves too. If you're not confident with what's going on, first you have a conversation. If the conversation is had and then nothing changes, well, then guess what? Then you need to be the one that makes the change. Not enough athletes take their own career into their own hands because they're so loyal. And that's something I love about mixed martial arts. But I've, I mean, I've had athletes leave me. They needed to make a change. And it was something that I can't offer, right? That's totally fine. I want my all, everybody I've ever worked with, I want them to fucking be champions. I want them to reach their goals. If you need to make a change, take your own career into your own hands. Even if it's at the expense of me or Alex or whoever, you need to be confident with this is what I feel like I need. I've had a talk. As soon as you have a talk and nothing changes, well, then guess what? You need to make a change and you need to take your own career into your own hands. That's part of A, being a professional athlete, but B, growing through your career. Something that I don't think is talked about enough is careers have phases right? You have to learn how to work hard before you learn how to work smart. If you don't know how to work hard in the first place, then you can't ever work smart because you don't know what your actual capacity is. So that's the first one. That's why like most amateurs, I can throw a lot of capacity at them because I need to know how far they can go, right? If you don't know, if you don't come, honestly, like it's a stereotype, but if you don't come from the wrestling world, if you come from a striking world, then you need to know how far you can push. You need to know how far you can go until you break. 
And then from there, you can dial it back and be as smart as possible. That's why amateurs are fine. Shit, you could fight every weekend as an amateur because A, the results don't matter. And B, you need to know how much you can do once you become a pro. You need to get as much experience as possible. But then once it becomes a pro, then we start need to dialing, we need to dial that thing in as much as we can. We need to make it more specific to you. Every fight matters at that point. And be by then you need to know how to work hard so that you can work smart. And then that also factors into our skill work, right? It's really like it's great to have a team mentality to work to be good. But if you ever want to be the greatest, if you want to be a champion, then you have to be selfish. And that's part of how growth mindset is knowing that once you get to a certain level, it has to be about you because you need to make the smallest, the 0.001% changes that's going to make the difference between you winning the belt and not winning the belt. And that's all the phases as you go through training. And if you aren't comfortable taking your career into your own hands, you're never going to make those changes. You're never going to do the things that are going to allow you to get to the the highest of the level, the top of the mountain. All of that comes from understanding careers have phases. You need to go through them and you need to do what's best for your career at the given points that you're in. No, I totally agree. I think having it on an individual level, like thinking of what you need and what you need in and of yourself in training, we need to be aware of that too. I think that that changes the hard part. Like we'll get, you know, an amateur that, you know, thinks they're hot shit. And it's like, I need the one-on-one training. It's like, bro, you've had two fights, you know? You need yeah. to you need to understand where you're at and be no, humble you, for like you need to get punched in the turn. face a little bit and sparring and kind of beaten down. <laughs> or there's the pro that's gotten to the dance and has you know whatever 10 12 fights in the UFC. It's like I've always done it like this. I've always trained my fucking balls off and then things are starting to hurt and break down and it's like okay, well, now it's time to evolve, mm-hmm. right? Like having those conversations I think is huge and one thing you said like you said, have the conversation first. You can't I think that brings awareness. Don't just quit cold turkey or no call, no show somebody or whatever. Like taking your career in your own hands doesn't have to be unprofessional, right? Have the conversation, decide what you need, and then find it, you know, make a plan and execute it. And I had an interesting thought too, as a practitioner, Austin. So on our side of things, when we have that athlete that maybe needs something else, maybe needs someone else, right? It's hard to have the confidence to refer them out or to accept the the quote unquote loss to your business, if you will, yeah. whatever. How hard are you trying to maintain your brand and do what you do really well? Or how hard are you trying to appease everyone and try and fit that mold for each individual athlete that comes in? I try my, I mean, I try my hardest based on so my business. It's different. So my long answer. Yeah, please. my cl- my clinic is like different than like where you operate, where we I I take a fine like I everybody's one on one versus a team approach. Yeah. So because of that, I try to fit their mold as much as I can. But there's some things that I'm just not going to do. I'm not going I'm not the guy that's going to break somebody down to build them back up. That's just not something that I feel comfortable doing. I have a different lens. It comes down to what is my coaching philosophy. So if what they need is outside of my coaching philosophy, bye. Like that's totally fine. And that's yeah. happened for a, a good example is one of my fighters left. He went to a he, he works with a coach that I know 
personally. I was working with him for a couple of fights. We made some gains. We laid the foundation, but he just needs something that I don't feel comfortable doing. He went over. He's made huge gains now doing something that I just did. I, I wasn't going to do. I wasn't going to be the guy that was going to break him down and, and get him to the point where he needed to break. Yeah. But for that particular athlete, that's what he needed. That's not something I'm willing to offer. He went yeah. out, he got it. And now he looks like a different fighter. He looks, he looks fantastic. And it's, it comes down to, you need to be okay realizing that you're not the best spot for every athlete. I have a specific niche of athletes that I work really, really well with. My specific niche of athletes is I can make you move better. I can show you how to use different joints and how to maximize your velocity or maximize your strength from biomechanical efficiency. But I'm not going to be the guy that's showing, making you do 500 pounds urcher squat. That like, that's just not me. I'm not going to be the guy that pushes you to failure every workout because that's not something I feel comfortable doing, but I know that about myself and I've told people to leave. Like I've told people that I'm not the right spot for you and that's a hundred percent. Okay. But you need to know what you're good at, what you're bad at and how you can maximize how to help every single person in front of you. And when enough is enough and you got to tell them to get the fuck out of your office or get the fuck out of your gym, because that's just not the right thing for that athlete in front of you. Makes sense. Like, I know it was a lot, but it makes sense. Yeah. No, I, I like that a lot. Sorry, you were cutting in and out on the video a little bit. Oh, shit. Um, sorry. That's all good. But yeah, I think as a practitioner, you have to be confident and know your skill set, know what you're the best at. Like, you know, you go through some phases in your career, similar to your your fighter's career, right? Like, I'm this guy. I'm the mobility guy. I'm this guy. I'm the, the rehab and return to performance guy. I'm this guy. I'm the hard out strength coach, going to break somebody mentally coach. It's like, find what your niche is and where you can fit and then do the best job at that um, with some room, with some wiggle room, right? Well, There's it's, some flexibility. It's because if you, if you try to do something you're not built for, you're always going to fail. If you try to be somebody you're not, you're always going to fail. As a coach and as a fighter, you have to do what's best for you. You have to be yourself. If I try to be somebody I'm not, no shit, I'm going to let somebody down. I need to be the best version of myself and the best version of what I can offer somebody. And that's what's going to be the most successful thing. It's you got to find the right person that fits your mold. And then that's when the real magic happens. Yeah, I agree with that. But what I was saying is there's some some wiggle room, right? There's room for growth in yourself as a coach, right? Maybe you go out and you get some of that experience from like the mental side of breaking people or, or see the benefits of that. And then you don't have to apply it strict and twofold, but you can also add that to some of your arsenal, right? For this sure. is going to be a mentally challenging piece. Like we need you to work hard. So there's, I think there's some wiggle room there. Like know your skill set, know the person in front of you and adapt to each person that walks in the door. So obviously right. there's room for wiggle room, but you should stay on brand and be confident in your skill set or be confident in telling people, no, I'm a big fan of interviewing your clients or making sure that the right fit for you, as well as you're the right fit for them. I think that's just your due diligence and doing a, a good job at your job. But I also think there there's this growth mindset, right? Piece that, you know, personally, I've been to a lot of different internships. I've seen a lot of different systems and how a lot of people different differently operate. And I've taken bits and pieces from that so I can play this role for this person at this specific time. And then I play a different role for this person at this specific time. 
we talk about all the time how combat sports is so individualized, right? Like mm-hmm. each person needs something different. I want to be the guy that can offer every single thing all the time, but it's more important that I can identify when I can supply it versus when I would be faking it or when I would be reaching mm-hmm. past my identity or my brand too. So it's an cool. interesting crossroads when we get to that of stick to sticking to what you're doing and doing it really well or adapting and trying to add new tools to the tool belt. You know, we can similarize or anal- analyze that very similar to fighter fighter adding weapons to his arsenal. Right. And it's it's great to go and get new skills, right? It's always great. And that's something that you need to do. But at the end of the day, it's it, you don't ever want it to be a uh, a master of none situation. I've, like you, you never want it to be that you're trying to just get skills to get skills. They need to fit into your mold. Right. You don't want to be the like you get every little separate piece of the puzzle, but then you're not really good at one thing. Too many people try to be so broad that they can't be specific. And that's something I'm very, very passionate about. And I, I, while, while I agree with you that you should have a complex understanding, exactly what you said at the end is how I feel. You need to know when it's outside of what you can do. Just like I tell people all the time with healthcare, dude, I can teach a fucking monkey to adjust somebody's neck. It's not that hard. You know what is hard? Understanding when to adjust somebody's neck, understanding when to do a certain modality. Healthcare is not hard. Understanding when you have to implement certain parts of healthcare. That's why you have to get the doctorate. That's why you have to do the education. It's the exact same thing with understanding all these different scopes, right? I'm never going to be the absolute capacity guy. I know that about myself and that's a hundred percent. Okay. If somebody needs to be pushed to absolute capacity at all points in time, bro, that ain't me. And that's not something I want to grow into. I don't even want to, I don't want to offer somebody breaking form on a 700 pound deadlift. Like that's, that's just not something I feel comfortable doing. So that's never something I'm going to try to implement into my system. And you got to be comfortable saying that. And I, I don't think it's a bad thing to, to think that because people come to me for a specific reason. They're not coming to me for that. They're coming to me because I can make their body feel better going in, not worse. No, I, I totally agree. And I, again, that's awareness and that's identifying what you're not willing to do or what you are willing to do. Um, I'm going to push back a little bit though. I think on this continuum of like, if we want to do this dichotomy of like master of one trait or Jack of all trades, I want to skew more towards being Jack of all trades and me being more broad with my skill set. And I think that's just going to allow me to help more people and give me more tools in my toolbox. And then I can be more versatile when I implement all of them differently together and have a lot of those skills. I don't think having a lot of tools in your tool belt makes you inherently a master of none. I think you can be master of a few. I can think you can be adequately skilled at some. And I think you probably be poor at others that you're trying to grow and implement and uh, develop. But I think it's a lot more diverse or has a lot bigger gradient than just jack of all trades, master of none. I think you can be master of a few trades and jack of some and then bad at others. So that is the skill. And that's the kind of the broad horizon that I want to grow with. It's the same idea when I think about cross training with strength conditioning or playing multiple sports, right? I want to increase my coaching vocabulary in terms of methods, principles, um, techniques, cueing, everything like this. I want to stay broad with that rather than narrow into one specific niche. And I know narrowing into one specific niche is kind of uh, the tried and true method, right? You find out. I would disagree. This guy, with that. I'm the best. 
I'm the best at being this guy. And I think um, that's how you can become number one in the world. You can want to be the best at that one specific thing. Sure. But I think it's more applicable to be well-versed in many skills. And I think you can do a better job overall than being one specific master of one specific thing. I think again, and that's a huge, I know difference we have in our opinions, right? You're right. Gonna be the best in the world at your one thing. And I'm going to do a, a good job at a lot of things. Right. And it's, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that you see it every time we talk about something like this, where most of, most of what I do is hammered into, I want to take somebody from good to great. That's always been my mindset. That's been my mindset since I was a fucking child. That's the same thing with since when I was competing. I didn't really care about being good. I cared about being number one and I never fucking got there. So now this this is the next phase of my life. Talk about a growth mindset. This is the next phase where it's not about me anymore. It's about making my athletes good to great. That's who I work well with. Talk about my niche. I'm really good at working with people that already have the capacity base and I can make you learn how to fucking use it the best way you can. I'm more on the side of, I want to take you from 85% to a hundred percent versus what you're talking about, where you want to get everybody up to that 85%. And that's the best way to work with as many people as possible. I don't disagree with that at all. It's just a difference between both of us. And it's not one way's wrong. One way's right. Yeah. No. And it's exactly what we're talking about. Like athletic development in their career too. It's like, exactly. you know, there's the two different gyms, the gym that fired like homegrown people and developing mm-hmm. them up. And that's where I'm at in my career right now. And then there's the gym that takes the good guys to great and get more of individual attention like as you go through your MMA career you need to identify that and then you have right here obviously two different examples of what is represented in that mm-hmm. so yeah. um so i think again difference of opinion but nothing we can't work through or nothing i can't stomach because austin's uh said a lot worse things to me in the past so true i just attack your character on a daily basis that's yeah that's not false everybody i handle a lot of abuse <laughs> coming from austin so uh Everybody sympathize for me. <laughs> I uh, I compensate because I know that I could uh, beat him in a wrestling match any day of the week. That's a hundred percent not true. Well, it might be now. I'm definitely not in the same shape I was in. Oh yeah, you in my prime. <laughs> All right, we're getting there already, huh? You're just going back to my prime. All right? All right, back in the day. You can't use that. We're the same age. Yeah, mentally, physically, I'm broken. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not, motherfucker. Um, But yeah, on a growth mindset, I I think that's kind of everything I want to talk about. I mean, yeah, that was a a decent job. That's dense. Yeah, and I think, (laughs) yeah, just being consistent in your growth and consistent in the mindset is more important, I think, than being consistent in the hard work, quote unquote. Like everybody likes to look and quite honestly, that's the easy way out. That's right. Being okay with change too. Is something being okay with change has to happen in order for you to grow. That's okay. (laughs) But what I was saying, exactly. So that's the hard part being okay with change or being consistently present in there. It's easy just to shut off in your mind and hustle, right? That's the easy part, right? Mm -hmm. As much as it challenges people physically or whatever, like being actually present, being involved into intelligently, like, uh, like cerebrally, it's not a word, but being involved and mentally there. And actually trying to get better and actually putting your best foot forward and maybe failing a couple times and maybe trying to change a couple times, that's way harder than just marching like a soldier. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Actually, I have a quick anecdote. Sure. Uh, so yesterday I helped my parents move in. They just moved down here. They moved to Phoenix um, and I was helping them move boxes out of the moving truck. And at one point, because I just, I mean, you get taught as a wrestler, you just put your fucking nose down and you go. 
You don't try to mm-hmm. think about a new way to do it. You just work hard and just keep going. And yeah. then I see my dad over there who never wrestled. He was a quarterback. He was a baseball player. He's trying to come up with a new system to make it as efficient as possible. And he's like, well, you need to be at this station. You need to be at this station. And I'm just, I just put my fucking nose down and just kept moving forward. That's what we see with a lot of our athletes. They just want to put their nose down and just keep moving forward. Work hard, work hard, work hard. When in reality, my dad was probably right. Like if we would have just focused on a system, tried to make it as efficient as possible, and then allow the system to come in, that probably would have cut it down by about 30 minutes of what we were doing and saved my ass a whole lot of work. My low back hurts like crazy and my middle fingers or my ring fingers numb right now because I definitely have a cervical disc herniation Mm -hmm. but i just i was the normal wrestler i was the normal fighter we're talking about and i didn't want to change i just wanted to keep doing what i was doing and at the long haul it probably cost (laughs) it cost me a lot of time and it cost me a portion of my day right 100 percent. it's like you 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 want to move all these boxes in and you just you're hustling away on your 35 different trips back and forth and then you keep telling your dad shut up shut up shut up shut up and the whole time he's just trying to tell you there's a dolly around the corner oh there was that was yeah that's literally what we were doing so yeah so use the use the dolly you dummy i'm out here fucking carrying mattresses myself and trying to just hulk it in when in reality we had a dolly the entire time that everybody else was using yeah so you know what that's a (laughs) that's a typical wrestler for you like i told him like i was made for this this is what wrestling wrestling prepared me for this shut up put my head down and just keep going yeah (laughs) so break free take ownership grow yep well, we appreciate you all listening. This is Dr. Austin Shane, Alex Friedman. If you got to get in touch with us, all of our info is in the show notes. We also have strength conditioning programs available at buildingafighter.com. Talk to you later. We are out. Yeah.